Hey, listeners, been a very long time, but we are back at Matt Goes to the Movies, and we're going to talk about a film from 2018, feels appropriate, uh, given the time of year that we're in, to talk about things with monsters, zombies, blood, guts, and everything else in between. So today we are going to discuss the 2018 film Overlord from Paramount Pictures and J.J. Abrams. And it feels only fitting to have Rob back with me. So Rob, welcome. This was your idea. Yeah, I haven't seen this in a while. And I was just kind of thinking about what might be fun for spooky season as a as an annual tradition at Matt Goes to the Movies where you, you typically... Uh, turn the focus of the show towards some of the best in horror and things that have really been an impact. So I was like, I haven't seen this in a minute. This seems like a good excuse to rewatch it. So uh, yeah, thanks for agreeing to do it. Yeah, no, I actually uh, was excited when you had mentioned this because I remember being really excited for this movie when it first came out. And I've, I've always been a fan of, of JJ Abrams, um, which we'll get into uh, a, a lot during this review, but you know, like I said, it's it's been a while, but one thing that hasn't changed is since we are back with another episode, uh, we have another giveaway, and this comes from the same studio that brought you Overlord, Paramount Pictures, and our giveaway is for the new movie called Vindicta, which is available on digital now, and it stars Elena Camporis, Jeremy Piven, and Sean Esten. It is a movie about a city terrorized by a sadistic serial killer. Uh, a seasoned detective and a newly recruited paramedic are forced into a deadly game of vengeance where the key to stopping the bloodshed lies in unlocking the truth of their own haunted past. Vindicta is available now at the Microsoft store. It's rated R and from Paramount Pictures. So, before we get into our review, we want to thank Matt360 for once again providing us with a giveaway for our listeners, and thank you, the listeners, for making these giveaways possible. So, Rob, and you know, sounds something like right up our alley here. And and talking about Overlord before we really get into the movie, um, you know, this was one of those movies, too, in this time frame, 2018, J.J. Abrams attached to it. A lot of talk that this would once again be something that was tied into the Cloverfield universe, which never actually came to fruition. But, you know, I think this was, you know, he was a name, but it's very interesting. You think about everything that J.J. Abrams has done and certainly some things more like than the others. Um but man, he's really at this point, he's JJ Abrams. Like you have to know who he is, don't you? Oh yeah. It's, it seems like, you know, he's got his hands in everything. Obviously he's uh, a lot of people know him from his two entries in the star Wars sequel trilogy, uh, star Trek, the, the rebooted film series. Uh, he's, you know, bad robot was involved with a, a lot of different TV shows and things like that. Uh, the guy's everywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, Star Trek, Star Wars, he's done Super 8, he did Mission Impossible 3, um, you know, his TV show, you know, obviously Cloverfield that we just talked about, um, but yeah, his TV shows are, you know, he was part of Lost, which was a absolute, you know, TV phenomenon, so yeah, this guy's been everywhere, um, 
maybe mostly known for his lens flare. I know he gets a lot of, <laughs> sometimes I know he gets a lot of slack for that, but uh, overall I, I really do like him. And I think he does have, you know, a very good eye. I think with star Wars, we certainly talked about that. He got uh, a little bit of the short end of the stick with not having any real roadmap for where they were supposed to go. But you know, I really do love Super 8, and I think those new Star Trek movies, uh, I was never a Star Trek guy, ever. Like, ever. Never had any interest. And that reboot, um, that kind of branched the old with the new, I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, especially the first one, th- those new Star Trek movies from him. I thought they were fantastic. You know, it's funny you mention that because I'm pretty much the same way. I think I've watched like a single episode of one of the Star Trek series just because I was like, you know, people are really, really into it. I was like, what is this all about? So I watched like one and I was like, "Ah, you know, it's probably not for me. Not to begrudge anybody who is, because as we've talked about many times, like, listen, if you find things that bring you joy, like that's awesome. Good for you. Like, I'm, I'm super excited. But then I did see. I think I've seen at least the first two of the, uh, of the newer films and was like, wow, this is good. I like, I really like this. And and I was always a star Wars guy, not a star Trek guy. And I, I liked what he did. I, I kind of think the second one being a nine 11 truther kind of like conspiracy thing was a little bit much on the, you know, I didn't really love that part of it, but, uh, outside of that, I, yeah, I liked both of those films. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I, I think those were really good, but you know, uh, getting into, you know, Overlord again, um, there was a lot of talk about whether this was part of the Cloverfield universe. And I think maybe a little bit in the beginning it was talked about, but ultimately it's really just a, a standalone movie that that J.J. Abrams did. And uh, I remember seeing the trailer and the premise was just really, really you know, it was just really interesting to me. Um but I think this is kind of, at least in my opinion, I think this is an overlooked film. Um, in my opinion, I don't think this has gotten enough credit because tipping my hand a little bit here. I think this is actually a, a pretty good film, but it's one of the ones that I never really heard talked about, like even in the circles that that I'm in. I remember when this came out, I remember seeing the trailers thinking like, okay, World War II film, something supernatural. Okay. Like you can see this, uh, you know, we talked about this with Indiana Jones. Certainly we, we know the Nazis besides being the worst human beings in, in recorded history were into some weird stuff. They were looking for things. They were, they pretty much knew that they were likely never going to win the war just by conventional war. So there was the race for uh, like the rockets and the, the, the nuclear race and, you know, heavy water being made in, in Norway and things like that to try to, you know, fund, you know, build nuclear development. So they were, they were trying to go that way. But we also know that Hitler had this obsession with the supernatural. So it makes sense. Like the, the setting for this is totally believable. We know Again, Nazis are scumbags. I feel like I have to just say that over and over again, because if you don't say like Nazi and then immediately follow it up with something disparaging about it, then it's like you're not being hard enough against. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like I feel like I kind of almost have to. But we know that they did awful experiments. I mean, absolutely unspeakable experiments, the kinds of things that 
if you start to think about like it actually hurts your heart that a human being was capable of of doing this kind of stuff to another human being. So we we know that these kinds of things happened. So in terms of plausibility, it, it kind of makes sense that they would mess around with this stuff. So it to me it really fit. I was like, yeah, this this seems like a plausible supernatural horror film and, and a period piece. You know, it, it starts off. You I kind of forgot because uh, it's been a year or two since I've seen this, that it's really only the second half of the movie. The first half of the movie is kind of a traditional war movie, it, you know, very much in the line of saving private Ryan and and things like that. It's It's kind of a traditional war movie. And then it's it's even a little bit later than halfway in where I think it really takes the turn into a horror flick, which if you, the listener, enjoy movies that start off one genre and then flip genres halfway through, shameless plug, go check out uh, Rob's reviews that we did last October for From Dust Till Dawn. Great episode. You should enjoy it. But uh, I, I, it really does take a while to really, really jump into the horror waters and once it does, it it never really looks back. Although what I like about this is it still it still is a war movie, even when it flips the switch and turns the horror on. Like it never leaves that element of it behind completely. No, and you know, here's the thing that rewatching this movie that I really liked is, you know, everything that you just said is it just it's incredibly accurate. It, it takes a while to get into it, but the thing that I like about this movie is it doesn't feel like it is two different movies. The transition from, you know, being what is almost a, I, I shouldn't say typical, but a, a standard war movie and going to the supernatural element because they still have those traces of, you know, uh, a regular war movie. I, I believe that that's why I like this movie as much as I do because mm. it works. Um, it doesn't just all of a sudden flip genres like some of these movies we've talked about where it doesn't know what it wants to be. I think it balances the line very, very well. And that's why this movie resonates with me is because it does handle both those genres, at least in my opinion, very well. It never feels like it's trying to be two different things because to me, they splice those together very well. Yeah, it stays the war movie. The you've got the USGIs that are still got their mission to accomplish. They just have this extra hurdle that's been thrown in their way and in, in on their path to completing their mission. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah, and you know, another thing too is I do think and this is something that I feel sometimes goes without saying. Um but you know, I feel like this is really well directed too. Um, it, it, there's there's a lot of good shots. I feel like the the scenery is really good. The set pieces are very well done in this. Um, I really have never. I, I really don't know the director. His name is Julius Avery. Um, I really don't know what else he's done actually. Um, but I thought this was a, a very well-directed movie. The cinematography is really, really well on it. I think the music score actually works very well. Um, you know, this this isn't just a typical cheap zombie, you know, movie. Um, again, it's I think it's a very well-shot movie, and you can tell they they spent time. There was care put in this movie. That's another thing that I like about it. 
I think from a technical filmmaking standpoint, there is a lot to like here. There's a shot towards the end, and I'm just going to assume we're in full spoilers uh, mode here. There's a shot towards the end of this film that is a continuous shot that involves a lot of elements happening at the same time. And if you're just making a slasher movie, if you're just making kind of one of these grindhouse horror movies where there's just gratuitous gore, you know, you don't you don't bother doing that. Like you don't bother trying to make a technically difficult shot. You don't bother with that sort of thing. And I think what I I, I kind of remembered this as a war movie slash horror movie. But as as I was watching it earlier today, what it's kind of interesting in that this is kind of a horror movie for people who aren't necessarily into your stereotypical horror movies. So I'll explain what I mean. How do you how do you like your horror movies? I guess that's the question you have to ask yourself because I feel like the genre itself is so broad and there are so many tastes of what you can have. You've got everything from your slasher flicks, you know, your Michael Myers, your Jasons, your Freddies, just all of these, you know, Chucky, all of those big names that you can think of that kind of started in the 70s and 80s and, you know, made their way in through the 90s and, and have been, you know, rebooted and rebooted ad nauseum. Um, you know, do you like those? Do you like saw? Do you like hostile where it's almost like torture porn? I think they call it where it's like the, the gratuitousness of the, you know, dismemberment and the awful things that happen to a human body. Like there's people who are really into that. There's people who are into just buckets of gore and, and gratuitous kills. And this one to me, no, like there's, there's not really an over-reliance on jump scares. There's like one and you see it coming. So you, it's not really a true jump scare. There's not a lot of bad CG to cover up for, you know, supernatural effects. There's, there's some pretty good practical effects. There's some good makeup effects here. There's not like just people getting their arms ripped off just for mm-hmm. the sake of, Hey, it's been a while since we've shown the audience something disgusting. Let me go ahead and just add that in. Now, this is kind of, like I said, a horror movie for people who don't really like some of the traditional tropes of horror movies, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. It's, it's reserved, but at the same time, it's, um, I feel like in what it does, right? Exactly. It's effective. And certainly like, you know, I'm, I'm one of the last people who gets offended by like tons of gore, things like that. Um, you know, sometimes, yes, like you said, it's, it's used just to, you know, certain horror movies have just adopted the policy of, oh, well, it's a good horror movie. If there's dismemberment and just buckets of blood everywhere and who cares if there's story, you know, characters, anything like that. Um, but again, that's that's why this movie works is because in a way it's reserved. It doesn't over rely on tropes, but also, you know, for to me and maybe the the casual person. Um, the other thing is this is not like a star. You know, this is not a star studded cast by any means, um, but there's really good performances inside this. So when you have all of those things together with what I thought was good performances, a believable cast. Again, you just, you get a good movie. 
Yeah, it's interesting that they choose the backdrop of war because war itself is already pretty horrible and and is horrible and has just terrible, awful, like the worst that humanity is capable of comes out during war. So why not just set a horror movie in it? I think it's a brilliant idea and and not just any war, like one of the worst ones that humanity has ever had to fight against the worst villains that we can think of doing some of the most unspeakable atrocities that have ever been committed by one human to an, to another or whole group. It, it really is. It's something that is kind of like, wow, how did nobody else think of this sooner or, or how has this not been followed up on? Um, I, I think there's, I think there's other backdrops that you could do something similar with. Um, I, like again, it's technically there's so many things that work. Uh, you mentioned the cast. You know, it's other than Wyatt Russell and then Bokeem Woodbine for like 20 minutes. You know, was there really mm-hmm. anybody you'd recognize before? And and I didn't recognize any of them uh, at all. And um, it's you know, I, I I'm kind of thinking to myself like I'd like to see more of some of these actors. Like I I really enjoyed what they did. Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was just really cool to go back and, you know, actually watch this again, because I've only seen this like you said, I've only seen this once. I watched it when it first was released and then I just never I never saw it again. And again, just be, not because I didn't like it. It was just I don't know. It was one of those things that even myself, when I said, you know, it doesn't get a lot, you know, it just didn't seem like it got a lot of you know, word of mouth or anything like that. Um, you know, even myself, I, I've only ever watched this movie. This is the second time now. And, you know, rewatching it, I was sitting there going, why did it take me so long to watch this again? Like there's, there's nothing wrong with this movie. It's, it's actually good. So why have I never watched that? And I, I'm still thinking about that as we're talking here as to, well, what the heck, if all of these good things are about, like are in this movie, What's taking me so long to rewatch this? And yeah, I think you've definitely watched movies that are absolute garbage. Like right. you probably watched 12 movies that are absolute garbage in, in between well, time yeah. uh, that you've seen this movie. And do you know what I think it is though, is as, as we're talking and I am thinking like, I'm just trying, I was running things over in my head too, before we, we jumped on. Um, this isn't, I, I don't remember seeing this on a lot of platforms. after its release so you know it's not something as streaming has blown up um you know we're sitting here going oh i'm flipping through and it's oh new for you were recently added things like that um you know even now it's you can get it with a youtube primetime subscription or you can rent it i watched it on paramount and oh did you yeah and I and it's streaming on Paramount right now. You know, you have oh, it doesn't even it. say that on where to watch. That's the funny thing. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like they could probably make that a little bit better known, particularly this time of year. You would think like there would be a whole page of like, hey, it's it's October, it's horror movie season. Like, watch this. Like suggestions for you. But I guess that kind of comes down to you know. One of my predictions when we did our uh, year-end wrap-up was that we would definitely see a burst in the streaming bubble. And how many people actually have Paramount? 
You know, like, yeah, I, I think if you're subscribing to things, I think most people are going to have access to Netflix. I think Hulu is another big one that a lot of people have. And I think HBO Max is kind of in there, too. And then, you know, so many people ha- just have Amazon Prime anyways that they that they have that to begin with. And then it's kind of like, you know, if there's a show that you are really into, you know, you pick from. The, oh, and then Disney Plus. Yeah, you, de- you definitely have to have Disney Plus at this point, because right. how else are you supposed to watch The Mandalorian um, without it? So it, I, I, you know, I'm not sure how many people have Paramount or even bothered to like steal somebody's password for it. Like, you know, and I feel like that does movies like this kind of a disservice. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong And Paramount's like got crazy numbers of subscribers, but I don't feel like it's one that I hear a ton of people like, Oh yeah, Paramount. It's great. I love it. It's the best subscription I own. Yeah. I mean, Again, I didn't even realize I didn't even realize this was on Paramount Plus and I have it and there was no when I went to look this up there was no indication that it was on there. Um I had Google Play points so I just I actually used that to to rent this for free but yeah, I I think maybe that's why is it doesn't seem well known that it's actually out there. So you, the listener, if you're hearing this right now and you chose to download this episode and listen to it because you've seen this movie, uh, tell a friend it's October. You know, we, we sit here, it's, you know, October 9th right now, as we record this, there's still plenty of days left in the month of October to enjoy horror movies, scary movies, that sort of thing. Uh, tell a friend that they should watch this movie because if they've not seen it, it's absolutely worth watching. And this is, I think, one of those ones that if you like, I don't know how many people, if you haven't already seen it, I don't know how many people will accidentally stumble across this without a recommendation from a friend or a coworker or something like that. So you, the listener, be that friend, be that coworker that makes the recommendation and and uh, bring something new and exciting and different into uh, a colleague or a friend's life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This I, I feel like this is something that definitely has to be word of mouth suggested. Um, just like you said, nobody's going to like, if you're scrolling by on Paramount plus, I, I don't know, like, and you see, Oh, overlord, because even the, the poster for this doesn't really give anything away. So, you know what I like? Yeah. I, I think this has to be a word of mouth kind of. And thing. if you look at the, um, if you look at the description of it, it kind of feels like a straight to streaming kind of like it would have been used to like straight to video when, when video was still a thing, like, right. you know, like straight to blockbuster exclusive, like how, um, all the Scorpion King sequels were, yes. um, where they didn't even release them theatrically. They were just right to streaming. Uh, God, that was a or right to right to VHS. I remember when that was a thing. Um, but yeah, like if you scroll past, it's just like Nazis and supernatural and zombies like, OK, yeah, whatever. Like scroll right past it because it doesn't even seem like it's a legitimate like Hollywood, you know, studio picture. Right. But yeah. Yeah. No, 100 uh, percent. Nothing about this screams like, oh, this is a, a a studio production, which, again, is is just odd, but is what it is. So yeah, listeners, if, if you have somebody who you think would like this, um, I, I definitely recommend it. It needs to be out there much, much more. Um, it, it deserves a, a bigger audience, at least in my opinion, but you know, Rob, we've talked about cinematography, all those things. And, you know, I do want to just circle back a, a little bit to the character performances because it, you know, certainly I've, 
I've never been involved in in war before anything like that. So I certainly hope this, you know, doesn't come across um, any type of way. But, you know, one of the things with these character performances that I that I really appreciated was, you know, the way that they feel the camaraderie, you know, the the camaraderie between, you know, soldiers and people who are in battle and, you know, losing, you know, losing people that are in your squad. Again, I just, I think the the cast did a really good job of, you know, portraying what I'm sure is, you know, just a, a an unbelievable swell of emotions when these things are happening around you or, you know, God knows what, God knows what these people are thinking when they're over there. Like, I can't even imagine it, but I just feel like this movie did do a good job of, of portraying that. You know, you think about the opening scene. So they're on the, they're on the plane, they're getting ready to jump. They're getting shot down, you know, whole squadrons are getting taken out of the sky with, with ground fire and anti-aircraft fire. And just that opening scene, um, I, I think when I saw, you know, I'm going to, because it's another war movie, I am going to make a comparison to Saving Private Ryan. If you think about the opening scene of that movie where they land on Normandy on D-Day and just the absolute chaos and just the horror of that uh, and watching it was was really the first time I'd ever seen a war movie that made me feel like, Jesus Christ, is that what this was? Like, Oh my God. Like, you know, both of my grandfathers served in, in the army in world war two. Um, and, and just kind of thinking about like, Holy cow, is this what they saw? Like, and, and you know, thinking about people who served in other wars that, that are still with us, you know, God bless all the veterans that are out there. Like, and, and the current, you know, members of the armed services, but it's just like, Oh my God, is this what, is this what it was? You know, I'm thinking everybody can remember that scene in saving private Ryan, where the dude's just walking around with a blown off arm, like looking for his other arm. And he like picks it up, like just that the craziness of that. So we have like a smaller microcosm of that, uh, here, you know, it's just the chaos and the terror of that, of that whole moment where they're, they're flying out of, you know, they're getting blown out of the sky and they're trying to, you know, they're screaming and they're, they're trying to still accomplish their mission because they understand the importance of it. And then a little bit later, once they land and uh, that guy steps on a mine and he gets absolutely deleted. I mean, he is gone. Um, That was that was a crazy, crazy scene. And and I really liked how it it wasn't just the focus on the fact that, um, you know, that that guy just had his subscription to life canceled in a horrible like way where there's nothing left of him, but the way that it's the, the focus shifts to the character of Boyce and just his reaction to that. And, and really he serves as the proxy for the audience throughout a lot of the worst parts of this. I loved that just, you know, the, the ringing and the likely fact that he's got a concussion at this point, just from the, the shock of that, of that, you know, that explosion sends that shock wave out. That's enough to not, even if he doesn't get hit with shrapnel, that, that force wave can cause a concussion still. Um, you know, I, I really loved the storytelling elements that happened after the explosion there was, was absolutely incredible. Um, the character of Boyce overall, um, I just, I, there's so many unique moments with him where he has to watch absolutely terrible things happen that in his soul, he wants to do everything he can to stop because he believes what he is watching is terrible and wrong, 
but he knows that he can't because it will jeopardize the mission that's even more important where even more people will have terrible things happen to them. I, I really feel like his performance and just the the presentation, the the way that scene is shot, the way it's edited, the way that the that all the sound is layered on top of it was really, really effective in ways that when you think about this genre, how often are you really talking about great acting performances and great technical filmmaking when it's kind of a, a horror genre movie? I can't think of that many times. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And again, it's just that's that's why this movie works is because it to me, it just balances those those elements um, very, very well in ways that certain, you know, movies from both genres uh, just weren't able to get. But I think that's what happens when, you know, you have somebody behind, um, y- you know, the idea like a J.J. Abrams, because, again, you look at some of his work and, you know, you look at Lost and, you know, certainly, you know, people can say that the show kind of veered off and things like that. But there's no denying that Lost was just a phenomenal, not or um, you know, I, I shouldn't say phenomenal show. Like I love it, but it was just a global phenomenon in terms of television and things like that. And you look at movies like Super Eight that deal with supernatural and things like that. But at the heart of Super Eight, it's you know, uh, a story about friendship and you know family losing people letting go um and he just he's shown that he knows how to balance these things very very well um in these genres you know kind of it's it's interesting to think about like an actual like really good filmmaker working on kind of a genre piece like this like it kind of makes you wonder like what else is possible like what if spielberg did a (laughs) rom-com you know like (laughs) you know like i'd 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 kind of, I'd kind of be into that, you know, like what if Tarantino decided to do like a sex comedy, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what, what other combinations are out there? What other kind of movies that get maybe looked down on a little bit? If you, if you just attach like a phenomenal, phenomenal, highly skilled filmmaker could just make it something special. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of things that could happen um, <laughs> in terms of that, but you know, it's I think studios are it's so weird nowadays too to see what actually hits and, and what doesn't because you look and you think, oh, well, obviously, you know, this is going to be a rousing success. And then, you know, you have things that just box office wise, you know, just nothing happens, but then you have movies like Top Gun Maverick and you go, well, sure. I'm sure it'll probably do good because you know, what's the, what's the word nowadays is there's no more bankable stars like days of Arnold or Will Smith, things like that. Like the, the singular movie attraction star is gone. But then Top Gun Maverick comes out and it just absolutely, you know, 30 years later, no less, when everybody says, oh, it's, you know, too late or you've seen sequels that are 10 years removed and it's the ship has sailed. Um, I think it's just really hard. And I think studios sometimes and I, I think this is the problem is 
studios are maybe unwilling to take a chance because it's just so weird now what will get people to the box office. But I mean, certainly there's room for just straight to, you know, straight to like a streaming platform. I mean, certainly I think we saw that with Prey. Um, First thing I thought of when you were starting that (laughs) sentence immediately where my mind went. You know, because let's face it, the Predator franchise has not been the, you know, the the biggest hit as of late with, you know, entries. But I mean, one might say that since the first Predator, no Predator movie has been successful or really well received. But, you know, Prey was universally loved where, you know, people are pretty much calling for a sequel. Like, when was the last time you ever after a movie like a Predator movie came out? realistically it was the general conception like yes we want a sequel to that Ooh, uh (laughs) i nothing's coming to mind right now right so you know i wish there would be a little bit more um in terms of taking some chances and mixing you know mixing some genres but at the same time you know that's where you know rob we talked about this too in our year-end review actually there are things like that out there, but actually clicking on them and, you know, especially for me, instead of being like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie for the X amount of time just because it's familiar. And if I, you know, I'm planning on doing something, I don't have to pay attention. Um, actually throwing something on and saying, well, let me just give this a try. I mean, think about how many times people have rewatched the entire, you know, series of The Office, like just over and over and over and over again. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, this is and I think actually we didn't speaking again of our year end recap, like one of the things that I think we talked about for our like resolution uh, for the for the new year for how we're going to consume entertainment was to go outside our comfort zones. I think all three of us, mm-hmm. or all four of us that were on that episode kind of said, we want to, we want to kind of branch out and, and try some different things and see some different things. So, uh, you know, again, I'll speak to you, the listener right now, if you're listening to this, cause you're like, Oh, I kind of wondered what overlord was all about. I never got around to it. I'll just kind of listen to the recap instead of watching it. Like, no, like really go watch it. Like, go ahead. Like it's, it's worth it. It's something different. You haven't seen a movie like this before. Uh, and you should, it's, it's absolutely worth checking out. And instead of the same old, same old, like this is, this is kind of different. And, you know, maybe it's because, you know, again, the biggest movie star in this is Wyatt Russell. And, you know, when I say movie star, like the air quotes, they've got to be, you can, you should be able to hear that. Like me doing the air quote around that right now. (laughs) Um, And he's, he kind of, He's the biggest movie star in this. So like, it's not like you're going to see a a face on the movie poster and know immediately what you're going to be getting yourself into as far as like a a standard level of quality. Like if you see Tom Cruise in a movie, you're pretty sure like it's got a baseline of quality. Uh, The mummy notwithstanding, Um, you know, there's, there's a baseline of quality there, but you know, I go kind of back and forth with uh, Wyatt Russell on this. There's some scenes I think he's great. And there's other scenes that I I think he kind of, I don't know. doesn't do a lot for me on this. Um, I'll tell you who I do want to talk a little bit about, though, is and I'm going to butcher the guy's name, but uh, Pilu Osbeck. And I'm I'm looking at his Wikipedia page and those aren't even letters that are on my keyboard. So I'm, I have no idea how to pronounce them. Did not. <laughs> so he plays the uh, the SS uh, captain, uh, the, the real scumbag of this. 
did not recognize him, but he is the actor that plays Euron Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. So, man, talk about getting typecast. This guy just cannot play anybody likable or with any redeeming qualities. So you think about his character. Uh, When we first meet him, already we know he's a Nazi. So already he's the worst of the worst. But then we also find out he's a predator. And it's like, you know, if you just had him kick a puppy on his way into the house, he'd just absolutely have the trifecta of worst human being you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he's so typecast. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So I I think that uh, I think he's fantastic in this. I mean, I, I think he plays that sleazy scumbag so well and just that it particularly when he starts to get you know all hopped up on v or uh you know venom or whatever you want to uh kind of compare it to towards the end you know once he you know really assumes that supernatural power he becomes really something pretty scary Uh, there's one other scene (laughs) that i absolutely love so they um chase the uh the photographer he gets he gets shot and he, he dies in front of them and they make the decision. Uh, boys kind of jabs him with the with the wake up juice, so to speak, and he comes back. And I my favorite line in this whole movie is when he comes back and he says he's thirsty and they toss him the canteen and he, and he guzzles it down and then he crushes the steel canteen. And uh, and one character says that's weird. In uh, Tibbet, the sniper goes add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, like. That was laugh out loud funny. And it's like, you don't always expect that in this kind of movie. But, um, you know, it's the little bits like that that I really loved. Yeah, no, I mean, that at that point, it's like, yeah, just Jesus, just take a number like (laughs) for for the weird things that we've seen. Um, You know, I will say that even though, um, you know, it was talked about that it wasn't going to be like it wasn't going to be there were still especially way back when and listeners if you're just watching overlord for like the first time like if you've just watched it recently or anything like that um you probably would not understand this but when things like this were coming out and rob i think you'll know this because we've talked about it the you know the oh this is going to be a cloverfield movie um somehow connected to this universe um i will say that there were a couple parts where i was like okay are we going to get some sort of connection like are we going to see something with slusho or they're going to talk about just I, I don't know something like they found something in the ocean even though this is way before the events of cloverfield there were still little bits of me that um you know really thought that Okay, maybe they just said that to get this off the track. But back then, I was like, "Wait, is this part of that?" But I know you also have some some scenes that you still want to um, discuss. Yeah, I I think there was there's a couple bits in here. So if you if you want to make a horror film, you do have to have a couple of somewhat memorable, kind of unique moments that really have a little bit of a punch to it. And, uh, so there's, there's the scene where they capture one of the, uh, officers and they've got him on the motorcycle and they've, they've kind of like tied his hands to the, um, to the steering wheel. Although I kind of feel like that dude should have known to just drive off the road. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it seemed kind of dumb to me that he's like, all right, I'm just going to drive into the base and blow up everybody along with me. Like I'm, I'm done for sure, but I'm just going to blow up everybody with me. So that, that 
kind of didn't make a ton of sense to me. But then when they ripped the tape off his mouth, and it took them a long time to realize he had tape on his mouth. I also thought that was kind of um, like, the, like, what are you doing here? Like he's like they're yelling at him, and he's looking at them like, can you not see the tape on my mouth? Mm-hmm. Uh, when they eventually pull it out, but it's got the pin for the grenade in it. Um, that I thought was, was kind of a cool bit overall, although I do wish it was a little bit better executed. Um, so that was kind of the start of some of like the cooler kind of, you know, you kind of talked about this with some of your other horror movie recaps. Like, you know, it sounds a little bit sadistic and twisted and like, you know, the, the comment of somebody who's not mentally well adjusted to talk about, Oh yeah, there were some really cool kills in this movie, like really creative kills. I loved what they did with the kills. Like it feels a bit messed up and deranged and like, you should probably see somebody dude, like (laughs) when you talk about it that way, but at the same time, like it's just, it's just a movie, you know? Um, but I'll tell you when, um, when captain Waffner picks up, uh, corporal Ford and puts him on the meat hook, I mean, you see it coming, like you see him grab it. You've already seen it in that, in that room before when they've used that set. Right. And you just know it's coming and it's like, oh God, like I'm, my skin is crawling right now thinking about it. And when he pulls himself off of it and like misses the first time, oh God, like I just, oh, like that is, uh, that is a creepy, creepy bit that they pulled off, um, skin crawling moment for me. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And yeah, like you said, I mean, you do have to sit there and think about this in terms of it's a horror movie. It's, you know, and that's what this is supposed to be. Um, but yeah, you do have to have create, you know, you have to have creative kills um, from a standpoint and it, even, you know, and it's not so much creative either, but even just the, you know, certain scenes, I'm, I'm thinking of the one where, um, he keeps, I'm forgetting the two characters names right now, for whatever reason, I'm drawing a blank. Um, but the fight where he just keeps dunking him like in the, the bath tank. Yeah. Like, you know, even that is just, I I think that's filmed really well. And again, just the effects, like getting stabbed through the back with the pipe and just, you know, everything involved with that is again, it's not overly done, but it's what you, you know, I mean, let's face it. It's what you want out of this. If you're watching a horror movie to not see blood or see somebody get killed, um, I I don't know what you're watching (laughs) a horror movie for. Yeah. You're not watching the horror movie for the bad guy and, and the main characters to hold hands at the end and, and sit down and use the care bear stare to, you know, share the magic of friendship with one another. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's not what I want. <laughs> yeah, That's not what you bought a ticket for. No, not, not at all. Um, if I want that, I, I will go watch the care bears movie. That's what that's for. Yeah. You don't watch that for its gratuitous kills. Right. No, not even not even <laughs> close. Right. But so yeah, I, I mean it, again, this was just something that I was going back and you mentioned this earlier um just a little while ago, but I you know, going back, rewatching this, you and I were just talking um the other day about another movie we're going to do that I went back and rewatched because my son had asked me to watch it. Um, the movie battleship. And then you mentioned another one and that's a movie that I've only seen once as well. 
So now I'm kind of interested to go back and watch The Mummy with Tom oh Cruise. Um, oh, you're not going to ask me to watch that, are you? Oh, God, please don't. Please don't do it. Oh, you just did it. You already did it. All yeah, right, it, it goes without <laughs> saying. Like, <laughs> but yeah. again, it's it's very interesting to me because it, you and I talked about this and there's certainly things, but, you know, rewatching. It's always funny to go back and say, is it as bad as I remember? Was there something going on with me that day? Does I was I just not in the right frame of mind? Were is my taste different nowadays in in movies? Yeah. Like it's always interesting to go back and watch things. So yeah, I think uh, again. I mean, you technically speaking, this is your fault. You opened your mouth about the mummy. Um, <laughs> not the first time that I've had to watch a stupid movie because it was my idea, right? Like, <laughs> So, <laughs> because sometimes Matt is a bad friend, as I've said on the show many times. Yes, yes. <laughs> most, most, most of these episodes are because I'm a bad friend. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but no, I, I mean, Rob, I, I think I've said everything you know that I need to say, but I definitely want to give you a second. Was there anything else that you had that would cap off your thoughts on this movie? Uh, to actually put a cap on my general thoughts of the movie before we we get into rating it, the end credits are, I really think it's a cool touch that they'd present them the way that a 1940s newsreel would have looked. Just the the overall visual style and the graphics and the text, um, you know, to really seal in the period of this film. Uh, I thought it was a cool touch and I liked it and uh, I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, no, uh, I think that's a, a very, very good point. I think we can sc- stroll that right into Popcorn Time and give our review um, since it has been a little while. Uh, popcorn Time, as a reminder, is our grading scale um, from one to five buckets of what we think of this movie. Um, so, Rob, I'll let you go first. You know, I... Uh... This was I I didn't write anything down because I felt like I needed to talk out a lot of my thoughts on this. I've I've varied my ranking literally an entire bucket up and down as I've been kind of mulling it over and thinking about it. So I'm just going to say as I sit here right now, as the way that I feel about this movie at this exact moment in time, this is a four and a half for me. There's not a lot of things I dislike. I think the things that I dislike are I I feel like there's maybe a little bit of convenience sometimes with who has a you know good aim and who has bad aim. It seems like there's some real like plot armor at times that I feel like I just wish they would have done a little bit better of a job. And uh, you know Claire comes out with the submachine gun towards the end and is just hip firing and wastes three Nazis behind cover. Like little things like that keep this from being a five for me but I enjoy it. Like you got to be in the right frame of mind to watch this. I think Uh, this isn't a movie I'm going to watch all the time, but in, in the month of October, I could see myself being into watching this again. uh, If if I'm in the right frame of mind. So yeah, I'm going to go four and a half. Yeah. um, Actually, that was my score as well. Um, I I do really enjoy this movie. I, I do again, find it surprising that I had not watched this more than once considering all of the things that I have watched numerous times. (laughs) Um, But again, just, I I do think that has to do with the fact that it's not just really out there that this movie is available. 
Um, it just kind of came and went, but I do think there's some really good performances, some great cinematography, some pretty good effects. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. And again, sometimes, you know, this, this rating scale, it can be based on, you know, is it just the characters and the story and everything emotionally grips you? Sometimes it can just be, look, did I sit down and have fun? In that regard, it's a five. Like from a technical yeah. movie standpoint, it's a freaking one. It's a terrible movie, but <laughs> damn, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, from an overall enjoyment aspect and you know what I think of sometimes in terms of a good movie, I, I do think this is a four and a half. I, I really enjoy this. I'm glad I was able to watch it again. Yeah, I, I think this is one of been one of my favorite things about uh, coming on with you and, and talking about movies or and TV shows is it's given me an excuse to go back, as I've said before, and rewatch things that I like. I wouldn't have rewatched this probably for any other reason, because I'm so far behind. I literally had to make a list the other day of movies and TV shows that I haven't watched yet that I'm behind on and start to kind of like figure out what order I want to attack them. in. like, that's how dorky I am as I'm literally organizing and, and power ranking what I'm going to do in my free time. Cause I'm almost like stressed out by how much content is out there in the world to consume right now that I, I just don't have the time to do. So I'm having to like pick and choose what I'm doing first or second. And it's, uh, maybe it, I don't, I'm, Listeners, do you do that too? Or am I just a total dork? Uh, if you are the kind of person that's like, oh my God, there is too much out there now in this world of streaming. And it feels like everybody's talking about 12 shows that I don't have time to watch. If you're like me, email the show, mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what your stuff is you're behind on. And you're like, yeah, I just, I wish I knew which one to start and which one I didn't. Uh, and while you're on the interwebs, uh, go ahead and leave a, a rating for the show on Podchaser. Leave a five-star review. Go ahead. Just do it. It'll be, you'll feel good about it. We'll feel good about it too. And then make sure you hit the show up on all the other social platforms that are out there. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all the places you want to be. YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Uh, Matt Goes to the Movies is on all of them. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to doing all of these <laughs> reviews oh, that are coming up as it's been a while since we've been consistent um, just because of work schedule and things like that. But uh, I know Rob certainly might not look as forward to it as I am with the movies that we're going to be talking oh, about. God. But <laughs> yeah, yep. here we go. Buckle up. So, but yeah, we've got uh battleship and, uh, <laughs> the mummy coming up pretty soon. And I, I understand before we sign off here that, uh, you were working on a new, um, Rob's reviews one. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, Eric and I had published our video game review of Max Payne. Uh, you know, Matt, when you and I did the movie review, you know, it's funny, you were talking about movies that after you've let it sit for a while, you come back to it. I think sometimes after the initial disappointment of it, not meeting your expectations or not being what you wanted it to be after that wears off and you already know what you're going to get out of the movie going back and rewatching it again with fresh eyes sometimes helps. And unfortunately that movie is still not very good, but it made me kind of nostalgic to go back and try the video game. And, uh, I was able to pick it up on Xbox. It's not an easy one to track down, by the way, you can only buy it on a couple of streaming or a couple of digital storefronts. Uh, it's not super easy to get your hands on, but, uh, my brother, Eric and I, I uh, published that episode somewhat recently, and uh, I am a couple days away from finishing up uh, post-production on the most 
recent recording that we did over on Rob's Reviews in the EPU. So I am uh, very excited. It's an all-time classic. It's it's in my top probably, oh God, I don't even remember where I put it in my Pantheon, but it is among my favorite movies ever. Something a little bit different we haven't done before, and I can't wait to get it finished up and get it published for everybody to enjoy. Perfect. Look forward to it. I really enjoyed the the last one, so look forward to the new one. But listeners, uh, felt good to be back. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.